man, I am excited about what's coming up next. Uh, Doc, come on up. You need this chair? Not now? Okay. Um, I'm going to let you kind of give your credentials, if you will, on okay. how you are um, able to teach this, okay? Because yeah. I don't have my notes in front of me. Okay. Will do. Will do. <laughs> Can y'all hear me? You you, are you on? Uh, I don't, uh, no. Well, let's cut you on. Okay. We're on. All right. Greens go. <laughs> I've got good news for this talk for you guys tonight. Um, you know, the Middle East, Israel, Iran, everything, Ukraine, so on and so forth. Well, I feel better after being in here a while ago when we were talking about Boston butts. And I'm here to tell you that Boston butt buying and selling is going to be less complicated than what we're going to be talking about. I mean, it really is, yeah. Um, yeah, Marty, I'm glad you mentioned that about my credentials. So I, I really wanted to mention them anyway. I mean, what right do I have to be up here in front of you guys to try to help teach and educate you all on some of the most important things in the Bible? What right do I have? So I've written them down. And uh, seriously, so you'll let me know. First of all, my salvation, where did it come from? Um, years ago, in the mid-80s, I guess, um, Shred and I, every uh, summer, we'd go down to Destin for a week uh, for kids playing the, you know, what you do in Destin, playing the sand and so on and so forth. On the way there, uh, at a quick stop, I think I saw this book. Now, by the way, I was not... A believer at that time. I didn't know whether there was a God or not. Um, thought about it a bit. Didn't go to church. Did not come up in a Christian type family at all. To the contrary, both of my parents were hardcore drug addicts and uh, we had no money growing up and so on and so forth. Certainly did not go to church. But um, I think I turned out okay overall <laughs> in spite of that. So anyway, I saw this book called The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. Have any of y'all read this book? Uh-uh. Okay. Yeah, well, this was way back then, and um, I, the, the title intrigued me, so I picked it up, didn't know what it was about. And so on the beach, started reading, and it's about Bible prophecy and what is going to happen in the end times. And I, I just couldn't stop reading it. I was so amazed. And when I finished this thing and saw that God's plan for mankind, his prophecies were 100% accurate. Uh, the prophecies that had not, have already been fulfilled are evidence of that. That when God says something's going to happen, it's going to happen. And no man can stop it. So I saw that there had to be a God there had to be a creator, all from the Old Testament, totally Old Testament, mainly, not mainly, totally, but mainly. And when I saw his plan for salvation, I became a believer through this book right here. And prophecy was the main thing. I developed a, an incredible love for the land of Israel and its people, the Jewish people. Um, 
down here in southeast Arkansas. We didn't have a lot of Jewish people that I could talk to. Um, so started reading about that, reading about Israel. Ended up <laughs> reading, at last count, 200 books on Bible prophecy uh, in the end times. I can't remember everything in those 200 books, but, you know, at least it was enough to put this together tonight. Had to go to Israel. So I think it was 1983. Shred and I, uh, by ourselves, uh, left the kids at home, and we went to Israel. That was the beginning of several trips. Um, just developed an incredible love. It was almost an unnatural thing uh, for the land and their people. And I want to share some of that with you tonight. So that was an incredible trip, fairly short, being in Israel about seven days. Uh, it takes a day to get there and two days to get back. So uh, we enjoyed that, fell in love with it. So I learned about the Center for Biblical Studies, uh, Jerusalem Center for Biblical Studies. And this was a center that's there to promote Judeo-Christian relationships and knowledge about what we're talking about tonight. And I went there in 1990, it was right after the Gulf War, for a month by myself. Shredda stayed with the two girls. And it was one of the greatest months of my life. Um, so during that time, there were study courses about these various topics and subjects on Judeo-Christian relationships, Israel. Again, things we're going to touch on tonight. Uh, actually, uh, became a board member of the Jerusalem Center for Biblical Studies. Uh, I was on their board for about five years. Um, was not able to participate uh, since I was on the other side of the world in, in Jerusalem. So after five years, I said, guys, you know, I don't feel like I'm helping. So anyway, I dismissed myself from that, but it was interesting. Uh, along the way, I uh, self-taught myself some Hebrew. Uh, enough Hebrew to uh, get through a casual conversation with someone that didn't speak English, <laughs> except in the taxi. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to say that, Shred. I wasn't going to tell this story. Thank you very much. Um, uh, Marty, you understand? I feel your pain. You know, in the old days, they had an eraser, and they'd throw the eraser at the kid out there. All right, the taxi. I've got to tell the story. I will be finished tonight by 8 o'clock, I promise you, by the way. All right, so we're in Jerusalem. We'd made another trip over there, and um, I was, you know, trying to learn Hebrew. And so I decided I'd try it out on the taxi driver. So um, I think I meant to say, um, what's the weather going to be tomorrow? Something basically like that, I think. Yeah, yeah, is it, is it going to rain tomorrow? And, and uh, so in Hebrew, I asked him that question. Um, wanted to try out my newfound Hebrew. And he started laughing. And uh, I said, okay, and I asked him again. And he laughed even more. And then, then he knew enough English to tell me that my question to him was, is it going to rain fish tomorrow, I believe. <laughs> I think that was the right word. What? Cheese. cheese. Not cheese. Okay. Is it going to rain cheese tomorrow? So that humbled me quite a bit. And uh, I, <laughs> I kept trying to learn it, but didn't try it. So anyway, after that embarrassing trip, um, 
We, uh, Sharon and I took our two teenage daughters to Israel and spent almost a month there. Um, they were about 16 and 13, give or take. Uh, we wanted them to experience Israel and the Jewish people as we did. We wanted to pass that on to our kids. We felt it was so important. So we did. Uh, we were there about a month. We rented an apartment in Jerusalem and rented a car. And uh, I was the tour guide. I'd been enough to Israel by then. I felt very confident about driving in Israel. Although the, number, the, the country with the number one death rate in that part of the, the world, you know, with France and all those other countries, the country that had the highest death rate on the highway was Israel. <laughs> they are very impatient people. And uh, that's, a, that's a part of the, the Jewish people. They're pretty impatient. I mean, at a stoplight, you know, they start honking before it turns green. And uh, it's defensive driving. But anyway, we, um, we did that. So it was a great time. Um, then on down the road, um, Shred and I led a trip of, of people to Israel. Uh, we led a group of around 22 people for 12 days in Israel, a tour of the country, and we did that. Um, the next year, uh, led another tour. Um, Shredda decided to stay home with the girls, and so uh, led another tour, and uh, see Miss Laurie Black sneaked in back there. That was you. Were you on the first one or the second one? First one, yellow, yellow. Yellow, yeah, yeah, that means hurry, hurry, yellow, yeah. Laurie was always the last one on the bus when we were gonna leave. <laughs> You what? Well, it's true. And yeah, I mean, you know, we got 22 people plus the driver. When the bus is going to leave, it's going to leave, and whether you're there or not. So somehow we got Laurie back home. But uh, anyway, then I went back the next year with about 14 people. Another tour. Uh, we stayed about two weeks. Um, Taught Sunday school at uh, another church in the area we were going to for about adult Sunday school for about three years, strictly on Israel and current world events. That's all we talked about for three years uh, and the importance of Israel. And so all in all, I've made seven trips to Israel, the last one with Liberta. Uh, we went there in 2010, I think, and we spent about a month in the country again uh, on our own and um, that was the last time uh, I've been but it's it's a great place it's it's a place that you just fall in in love with it, it it's hard to explain really this intense love of the country it's an amazing country uh, it goes all the way from desert to Mount Hermon in the north where you can snow ski uh, at the highest point to the Dead Sea which is 1500 feet below sea level uh, and the country has so many geographical zones in it. It can be beautifully green or it can be harsh desert within a few miles of each other. Anyway, we're not here tonight to uh, talk about the geography. We're here to talk about the um, land, the people, and its role in the end times. So I want to see a show of hands uh, this morning at your all's devotional time at home, your quiet time. How many opened your Bible to the book of Revelation? What? Nobody? My goodness. 
it's scary what's going on as far as the end times. It's very scary. It's also very complex to try to understand it. And um, one of my goals here, we're going to do this over the next several weeks on, on Wednesday nights. One of my goals is to really let you guys know as a Bible-believing, born-again Christian, you have nothing to fear in Bible prophecy. And I mean, that is an amen and amen. We are not to live in fear. I don't, I don't care what CNN or Fox is saying. We are not to live in fear. We're to live in a joy, a joyous expectation of these things that are going to occur, whether we want them to or not. If you don't want them to, I'll take that up with God. <laughs> you know, it's going to happen. So I, I want to talk during these few weeks. We're not going to be able to talk about everything tonight. But as you see the news, I want you to start understanding the political issues that's going on with Israel. I mean, a big deal today. I mean, something happens in Israel almost every day that does or may have something to do with Bible prophecy. Today, the, uh, the Knesset, which is their parliament, their governing body, uh, they had one guy go from the present Prime Minister Bennett over to the other side, kind of like a Democrat becoming a Republican. And now that left on the evenly divided, 50-50. So that could be very important, you know, if not Netanyahu might get back in, what could happen? Another important part to remember is God chooses ruler, rulers. God chooses kings and rulers of nation. We don't, you know. We may think we do, but we don't. And, um, yeah, LeBert and I whined and cried for days when Biden got in office. And we kept telling ourselves, okay, God, he's here for a reason. God determines rulers. And... Um, he is. You can go back and look at ancient Hebrew history, and God loved his people, which we're about to talk about. But when they kind of fell away from him, he punished them, and he would bring in an evil ruler that would help lead to their demise or their problems. So God is always in control. He's in control of your life today. He's in control of the end times because he wrote the book. And as Christians, again, we've read the ending. The, we know how the book ends, so it's really something to be joyful for. We're going to put our toe in the water regarding Bible prophecy. Um, Jesus commanded us to watch for the signs of the end times. It was not a suggestion. He commanded us to do it. And again, I know it's crazy. It's bizarre. It's it just so wild. I mean, when you pick, it, pick this up and you look at some of this stuff and you go, man, I don't understand that, especially with the book of Revelation. Same with Daniel, Isaiah, Ezekiel. Some very hard stuff to wrap your mind around in there. Um, should we study Bible prophecy? Yep, we should. Um, here's my Bible. What I've done is these pages here are maps and concordance and all that stuff, which we never read. So I've, I've clipped that away. I've taken that away. So that leaves this much of God's Word. This is the Bible between my fingers right here. 
Now, here's something. As a good Christian, do you feel that you should study and learn only this part? This part only? No, of course not. This in my right hand, I counted the pages. This is exactly one-third of this Bible, right here to the page number. One-third of this book has something to do with Bible prophecy. One-third. And that's been proven by many scholars that's researched this. So do we take this and rip it out and throw it away? Heavens no. So prophecy is hard. It's, it's complicated. But, and there are a few reasons for that, but tonight I'm going to kind of touch base on why you should study it, whether it's hard or not. You know, in school, things were hard. <laughs> we didn't understand. But we had to study them to get through. And, you know, whether you know everything about prophecy is, has nothing to do with your salvation. Obviously, we know that. But it's important to know that we should. So, that's kind of the introduction to the introduction. Um, there's so much <clears throat> to cover regarding Israel and the Jewish people. Where do we start? And that was one of my jobs to kind of talk to you guys tonight. So I looked at a lot of things, and uh, there's a video. It's two and a half minutes long. You good with it? All right. Well, we're going to show this little short video, and um, I think it's a good introduction to what and why we should do what we're doing. Have you ever wondered, what's the big deal about Israel? What's the big deal about Israel? What's the big deal about Israel? Why is this tiny country always in the news? And why do other countries want to wipe it off the map? Or maybe you've asked, why have the Jews been so mistreated throughout history? Even today, why is anti-Semitism growing around the world? Or how about this? Why, why should, should we, we care? care? To answer those questions, let's go back to the beginning. God's entire plan of redemption began with the covenant. A promise to one man, Abraham, through his son, Isaac, and his son, Jacob, AKA Israel. The promise included a specific piece of land and the promise is everlasting. God always keeps his promises. Over 400 years later, God made another covenant, this time with Moses. If Israel followed God's law, they could take possession of and permanently occupy the promised land. Even in our day, we've seen something no one thought was possible. In 1948, the Jewish people reestablished the nation of Israel. God always keeps his promises. And he made another one, a third covenant with King David. God said that David's kingdom would be established forever through the coming Messiah. We know that future king to be Jesus. That's why Matthew called him son of David. There's coming a day when his promises to Abraham and David will be fulfilled together. This is made possible because of the new covenant. This new promise was sealed with the blood of Christ Jesus. One day, Jesus will reign from Jerusalem. Isaiah said this new kingdom would be the center of global rule. And Paul said when Jesus returns, all Israel will be saved. God always keeps his promises. So, if you want to know the answers to those questions, God made a promise, and the enemy has done and will do 
everything in his power to destroy Israel and her people. That's why, as Christians, we need to stand in solidarity with Israel. We, we need, need to love the Jewish people. And we need to pray for, for the, the peace of, of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. I thought that was informative and just cute, those kids uh, giving that. Um, if you have questions tonight about something I'm talking about at the moment, raise your hand, and, and I'll do my best to clarify it. Um, do have a lot of material to cover, and we've got 24 minutes to do it in. Uh, we're not gonna, and, and basically, also, I'm at a, uh, this outline is such that we could stop at any point and continue next uh, week. Um, so I want us to have this to be a very informal thing, but I do want to really do my best to get stuff that the, uh, I'm praying the Lord put on my heart to bring here tonight. So the Abrahamic covenant, the land, and the, as they said, this is a promise about a specific people and to have a specific piece of land in the Middle East. Uh, and this land is perhaps the most controversial part of, of Israel today. But it's very important to know that this land was God's land to give. Um, again, I'm trying not to be political here or step on any toes, but Israel belongs to the Jews. Amen. We can prove that. What about, what else? Israel is the timepiece and the compass and helps us understand what's going on with Bible prophecy. Um, you've heard this before many times, but this is worth repeating, and I'm going to read it. You know, Jesus was sitting with his disciples, and they said, When will the end come? He replied that they were to watch the fig tree. The fig tree in, in the Bible is national Israel. The olive tree is spiritual Israel. So just talking about Israel as a nation, what's going to happen? And Jesus said, learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches become tender and it produces leaves, you know that summer is near. Timepiece there. In the same way, when you see all these things, we're about to mention, you will know that the Son of Man is near right at the door. I tell you with certainty, this generation will not disappear until these things happen. And, you know, Jesus said with certainty. He could have left that word out, and we still would believe him. So he's really trying to make a point here. With certainty, I can tell you that this generation will not disappear. What is the generation? started in 1948 when the Jews... Finally, after 2,000 years, had a nation of their own going on. Yes? Six more years. It right. means that typically 
Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, and thank you for doing that. And chime in anytime, of course. Yeah, time is short. You know, like these guys carrying the billboards, you know, time is short. Repent now. It's uh, pretty short. And um, we have loved ones that we need to get on board with this ship called, you know, Born Again Christian. So when Jesus said, when you see these things happening, you know, man, I'm, I'm right at the door. I'm about to knock. And what are those things? Wars and rumors of wars. Uh, wow. I mean, in, I left these notes at home, but in looking at that, and I'll, I'll bring it up next week or whenever, in the last something like 2,000 years, the world has only had about 40 or so days of peace in over 2,000 years. Those numbers are off a little bit, but you get the idea. Wars and wars and wars. Wars have always happened. You know, that's what the naysayers say. Eh, we've always had wars, da-da-da-da-da. Well, we're going to get to that again in a moment. Um, nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Why does he put all that in there? Why didn't he just say nations will be talking about war? But the kingdoms... Um, in the Greek, the word they use is ethnos, which means ethnic group. So it can be even these wars going on with the Somalians and wherever, you know, fighting against each other. And the frequency of these battles and wars is increasing and getting a whole lot more deadly. I mean, we all have, you know, you've seen the news. I mean, the news, it just looks hopeless if you don't have this faith that we all should have. Uh, it's scary. I was talking to Wade earlier. He said, Doc, this stuff going on out there is scary. I mean, Wade, know, Wade knows we're, we're going to do okay. We read the end of the book. But it is scary. It's very frightening. Um, you know, at any age, especially if you've got young children, you wonder how are they going to, what kind of world are they going to grow up in? What's happening? Um, again, that's a topic for another week. There'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. There are famines going on right now in the African subcontinent and elsewhere. People are dying every day by the millions, literally, guys. We, we're pretty insulated in our little capsule here. We don't really understand or, well, we don't know what's going on out there in the world and, unless, you know, we, we kind of look for it. Um, there will be a great falling away of the faith is another sign. And Marty gave some statistics not too long ago about the number of people going to church now is what, Marty? Low? Really low. It's in the, it's the 50 percentile going to church. Right. Way less than that than actually going to church. Yeah. And it's, it's decreasing as time is going on. Um, lawlessness will increase. Whoa. Oh, Lord, like you said. Uh, it's really unbelievable. I can't get my head around these crazy laws that these democratic folks are coming up with. I mean, you've seen it on television, these things happening. I don't have to go into them where you don't even get put in jail for, you know, robbing a liquor store with a pistol. They don't even lock you up nowadays. It's crazy. It's just It's got to be demonic, which, again, more on that later. So... The rebirth of Israel in 1948 is when God's stopwatch started. 
Um, to be able to see what's going on in world events, we must watch Israel. Israel, Israel. Everything that's going to happen in the rest of our lifetimes is going to revolve around Israel. You might not think so, but it is. The Ukraine war right now, horrible, unbelievably horrible. Um, I feel is going to have a direct effect on what's going to be happening not too long with Israel. More about that later. Um, I'll tell you this, though. I found it rather fascinating. Um, you know, Putin is obviously an evil man. I don't think anybody in here would deny that. Uh, very evil. I mean, more and more is coming out about the atrocities that happen in Ukraine. Um, and this is just a preview of what this guy can do. Um, I don't know what's going to happen in the near future with Putin and Russia and all that stuff. But um, God is putting rulers in place for his purpose. Anyway, um, in Hebrew, uh, the, the definition for an evil man is pronounced Russia. Yeah. An evil man in Hebrew is pronounced Russia. Yeah, it's a big well. Um, I'm totally serious, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll uh, we'll have a whiteboard in here next week, and I can write some of this stuff down for you and and just show you. Yeah, um, one of the wonderful things in in my life has been a very close friendship with uh, uh, <laughs> a crazy Jewish guy in Long Island. Uh, in fact, he's um, a rabbi in Long Island, and we've had a very close relationship. He even went on. <laughs> on one of these tours with us. He was, I mean, and as you know, the, the, the Jews don't accept Jesus. They don't accept any of this stuff that we believe in. His name's Esau ben Sarek. So Esau said, hey, can I come on this tour? So he did, and it was very interesting and educational. I was hearing stuff from a Jewish standpoint about where we were at Christian places. But um, he... Um, he knows all of this is written, but he does not believe. As of last week, when we emailed, he's totally, he believes that when you're dead, you're dead. And that's it. Yeah. Right, just a man. Um, but it's so sad. I mean, when you're, you're dead, that's it. Now, not all Jews believe that. There are many sects, different varieties of, of Jewish people, um, which we're about to get to. Israel and current world events. Uh, we're going to talk later about Ezekiel 38 and 39, uh, Gog and Magog, if you've heard that. Um, it's very understandable when you know what's going on in this world. And I do think the stage is being set for that based on Ukraine, what's going on right now. Um, Ezekiel 37, there it is, the dry bones. Uh, Ezekiel 37, fascinating chapter. And what Ezekiel 37 is, is a depiction. God showed Ezekiel a valley of dry bones, dead, dusty, 
a whole valley full up. And then God showed Ezekiel these bones beginning to move, to stir, to come back to life with ligaments and tendons starting to attach to these bones. It must have been a horrifying thing for Ezekiel to watch. And what this is a depiction of is the rebirth of Israel. For the rebirth, you have to understand first what happened to them. In the year 70 AD, the Romans uh, burned the temple, destroyed a good part of Jerusalem, and the Jews were dispersed, just as Scripture said they would, to the whole ends of the earth, all over. Um, More on that in a minute. I may be repetitive on some of this stuff, so bear with me, but I, I really want to make sure that if God gave me the words to say tonight to you guys, I want to make sure I get them to you. I take that real seriously. Um, how many of you all have had children? I don't mean men, I'm sorry. How many of you all have had children? Okay, most of the women in here. None. So far, at least, no men have had children in our church. <laughs> All right. I know it. I know it. God taught, Jesus says there are going to be birth pangs that will help us know what's going on. Uh, what do birth pains do? You women that have had children know. They kind of start as, ooh, you know, I got gas. And hours later, it's like, dad, God, hmm, I need to, you know, go take something. And then, you know what I'm getting to here. Those pains, they start getting worse. They are coming more frequently and, you know, with more intensity. And then, really quickly, I've delivered around 300 or so babies, so I know you know, if the nurse says, hey, they're coming every two minutes and she's fully dilated, I don't need to go out and go fishing. I better stay close because once that baby starts to come, I mean, it's coming and nothing's going to stop it. So that's what Jesus said, that the signs of the times will be like birth pains. Matthew 24, 8, all these things, and he's talking about the signs that he's already talked about, are only the beginning of the birth pains. So these increasing birth pains, as we see these events occurring, are pointing towards the soon return of our Lord Jesus to this nation, this world, and make it right. Um, Other thing we'll we'll talk about are the roots of anti-Semitism. Ah, thank you, yes. Uh, Anti-Semitism did not start with Hitler, but boy, he knew how to work it. Six million Jews killed in the concentration camps and outside. Six million. That's a lot. Um, There's a a museum in in Jerusalem called Yad Vashem, and uh, we've been to it. um, Tremendously increased in size (laughs) since we were there. But when Laberta and I were there a number of years ago, um, it's all about the, the Holocaust. And they have pictures there that they can't really publish that are just horrifying. My friend Esor, uh, when we were staying with him in Long Island, he brought out pictures to show me, and these are pictures that are not published. They're private pictures that he had. Um, 
that were horrific. And we're all adults in here, I'll just tell you. There were pictures of German soldiers holding their rifles up with the bayonets on while others were throwing Jewish babies on top of that bayonet. And they were holding them up like that. Um, so Hitler um, did a number on the Jews. Two-thirds, I'm sorry, in, in Poland, 90% of the Jewish population was exterminated. 90% in Poland. Uh, Europe worldwide, about a third of all the Jews were killed. Um, so these are just things that you need to know. What's going on? Why is there anti-Semitism? Yeah, we can have that yucky picture now. Anti-Semitism is demonic. It's absolutely demon-derived and, and promulgated. Um, the first scriptures about the devil trying to destroy Jesus occur in the very first little part of Genesis, and that's the very first prophecy in the Bible. So these forces are at work. So as you see, little Israel, which we'll, we'll get to, um, against the world. Remember that, that the devil is still at work. If he can destroy Israel, then he can disprove God's word. Wow. And he's working hard to destroy Israel. Iran, they literally could have the, the nuclear bomb uh, within weeks. We know that. The Israelis know that. Um, and again, uh, it's scary. You know, they say Israel is a two-nuke country, two bombs. Nukes could, the size of Hiroshima, could take Israel off the map. Scary, except I know that Israel will never be destroyed. I know that from God's word. Um, let's talk about the people. God declared in Genesis 17:7, I'm establishing my covenant between me and you and with your descendants who come after you generation after generation as an eternal covenant to be your God and your descendants, God, after you. A covenant that God said, this is a one-sided deal. I'm going to do it, whether you do your part or not. And... Um, yeah, eternal. Right there, third line at the end. Again, um, a little bit of Hebrew is interesting. In Hebrew there, the word for eternal uh, regards the, the life of the universe. So, in other words, that's a pretty long promise. Uh, as long as the universe is here, God is going to take care of his people. It's not going to be easy all the time. There are going to be tough times as there probably will be for us. All right, I'm going to say something. God's chosen people. The Jews are God's chosen people. Yep. Now, we all like that. However, that term, the chosen people, um, brings a lot of animosity out in a lot of areas. That, you know, if you don't believe this book, if you want that land that Israel's sitting on, what? They're God's chosen people? That doesn't make sense. Why didn't they choose me? You know, I'm better than they are. But um, again, God chose for his own reasons to take Abram out of what is now Iraq and have him come to the promised land to be the father 
of a whole new generation of people, the Jewish race. And by the way, at that time, the entire world was pagan. The entire world. I mean, Abraham, uh, Abram was paganistic. And God took him out of it. He chose that man through which the salvation of the whole world would eventually come. I mean, we got a big God. He is so huge, guys. He is so big. It's just so exciting to know that the power and things that he can do, we, we have no idea. So God chose the people. Again, kind of, you know, why? I'm going to read some scriptures. I'm going to read them pretty quickly because we're going to finish in about three minutes. And then we'll finish the rest of this next week. Um, these are scriptures regarding God choosing the Jews as his people. Deuteronomy, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all the peoples here on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you or choose you because you were more in number than any of the peoples. God did it. God can do whatever he wants to. Deuteronomy 14.2, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Another one in Deuteronomy. The Lord has today declared you to be his people, a treasured possession, as he promised you, and that you should keep all his commandments, and that he will set you high above all nations which he has made. Second Samuel. And what one nation on the earth is like your people Israel, whom God went to redeem, redeem for himself as a people and to make a name for himself and to do a great thing for you and awesome things for your land. First Chronicles, O oh Lord, there is none like you, nor is there any God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And what one nation in the earth is like your people Israel, whom God went to redeem for himself as a people. Psalm 135, for the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel for his own possession. Isaiah 41, 8, but you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, descendant of Abraham, my friend. Isaiah 43, but now, thus says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. God is going to protect the Jewish people and Israel, even though they still are going to go through some hard times. Some things we'll see, some things we won't. Um, all right, I'm going to stop right here. Um, I, I don't want you to have fear about the future. You know, uh, there's a saying, I think, I don't know what the future holds but I know who holds the future. And we are to just take that, sleep well at night. We'll be talking about this more in the weeks to come. I have um, out on the table, I've put my email address. Um, again, due to time, if any of y'all have any questions, you've got my email. Just email me, and I will uh, try to answer them to the best of my ability. Otherwise, we'll keep this up next week. Marty.